We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, how you doing? Great to have you with us. Ivy Nation Sports Talk off and rolling. Shout out to all of our loyal, regular listeners and welcome to all our new listeners as well. I, I've uh, noticed the last couple of days uh, some, new, uh, some new handles in the old YouTube chat. So glad to have you with us. And, uh, you know, we're all gearing up for training camp right now because it's August 2nd. And that means we're just three days away from the start of Notre Dame's fall training camp. And I'm Sean Styers, along with Jesse Styers today. I didn't realize there was a cold front in Cleveland. I, I just noticed the hooded sweatshirt that you're wearing. <laughs> I sit right by the air conditioner, so I get a little <laughs> bit chilly during the day. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how are you doing today? Your face looks a little red. Thanks. No, I'm doing good. I don't know why my face is red, but I'm doing good. Work went well today. Now it's on to the fun stuff. Like you mentioned, it's the beginning of August, and the beginning of August is just like the the, the start for any type of football camp. You know, high school football is going. NFL training camp is basically going full pads this week. We got college camps starting up, you know, first practice this Friday. So a lot of excitement. This is probably my favorite time of the year. August yeah. rolling in, into September, September into August. I love the fall season. I love when football is back. So I'm on the edge of my seat. I can't wait. We've got the NFL network on all day, you know, watching the training camp updates and the training. I do. Camp I actually, that's my favorite thing to do while that's I what work. I'm doing. <laughs> and from about like nine to midnight, I'll just pop it on, hope the Cowboys roll through. But it's still, you know, I play a lot of fantasy football. So it's good to see yep. all of these like, insights into camp and you know like what's going on what the breakdown is who's who's going to be the star wide receivers this year all that good stuff one of the perks of working from home is uh, <laughs> is being able to have nfl network or whatever you want on in the background sometime a, a baseball game or whatever it happens to be garen knudsen doing the job for us today ivy nation sports uh sports talk hit that like button that's right we don't even have to to tell garen hit the like button rate us subscribe comment all that good stuff we appreciate it it helps us out we're uh, ready to get rolling here today a lot to talk about because we do have training camp in three days you know you, like you've been you know as a as a college player you've been through a few training camps yourself you know, what's what's that feeling like when when camp you know <laughs> it's coming up it's only a couple days away 
Well, it's all it's all fun and games until you start working into like two practices a day, and then you got film That's sessions, right. film sessions between, uh, you know, each each practice as well. So it's all fun until like that you're like midweek. You got your your first padded, you know, full padded practice after a, a morning practice, and you can't wait to you know go slugging a couple other guys. But you know, it, it is it is fun. The excitement is there. You know, it's. It's good to be back around with all of your brothers. You know, it's it's fun to be. Uh, it's kind of secluded because no one else is really on campus, and the people that's who true. are on campus is it's it's all athletes. So that's everyone always asks me, you know, why why do the Cowboys go here for training camp? Why do teams leave to go to training camp? Well, it's it, the simple answer is you you block out all distractions. You know, you provide no other extracurricular activities, and you focus on football for you know predominantly a month. You breathe you sleep and you eat football for the next yeah. month. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, minus, like I said, the, the hot weather, the two practices a day, all that fun stuff. Um, and I'm sure these guys are all thinking about, you know, the, the games that are coming up. That's what drives you through all of it. The games that are coming up uh, and, and all, honestly too fighting for a position. And that's going to be something I see. I think we'll see a lot of, and this Notre Dame camp is a lot of guys jockeying, for starter positions, second string positions, third string positions. Right. Um, and even if you're not a starter, you know, you're trying to work your way into a lot of the special teams units. So it's a lot's going on and there's a lot of competition. It's a lot of fun. Um, but, but more than anything, guys are going to be looking forward to, you know, that first game against Ohio state, it's going to become more and more eagerness. Absolutely. Well, we've got a lot of questions that we're going to get to today. If you're watching live in the YouTube right now, you can uh, obviously, Shoot us your own questions. As always, we've already got we've already got a super chat that we're going to get to here in just a moment. It uh, ties into one of the questions that we were going to ask anyway. You know, we actually have a rapid fire question coming up later that came from uh, yesterday's chat that we didn't get to on yesterday's show. So, uh, you know, Jesse, you're not a, a better call Saul watcher, right? I still haven't you know been able to talk you into that. It's a lot. You watch a lot of shows. It's hard to keep. <laughs> like you don't. To... You just don't watch the same ones. <laughs> yeah, but you're like TV pop culture. If there's a TV show out there that's any good, chances are you've probably watched it. Which is why you should be watching it. It's like you should take a <laughs> take a cue and go. You know, and I, you know, because I am series is winding down. Final two episodes after last night's show, and you know, you watch a show like Better Call Saul, and everyone's got questions. I guess is my point. You know, what's going to happen to this guy? What's, why did she do that? I'm not going to, you know, give away any Saul spoilers, but you know, in this case, you know, what's going to happen to Jimmy? Maybe the biggest question with a couple episodes to go, you know, that's, you know, kind of been on a slow burn. What's happens to Kim, you know, and again, I'm not going to give anything away that I've seen so far. Questions, 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 you know, like you watched Lost, so you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of questions that come up within the show. There's always these little riddles and cliffhangers and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so that's – there are just a lot of questions to be answered. And it's no different now for Marcus Freeman heading into his training camp. He's – you know, there are questions that need to be answered just like there always are at the start of a, a training camp. They're, you know, different, but in some ways the same – this year, uh, you know, we're going to start with some of our own fall training camp questions that we have. And again, I'll get to that super chat here that's pertaining to the quarterbacks with our second question. It'll tie into that. So we'll kind of go back and forth. We each kind of came up with some questions. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jess, I'll let you start us off. What's, what's, what's your first question? These aren't maybe necessarily in order of priority, but, you know, in some sense they might be. What's, what's your first question that you have as far as training camp week to, to be in? You know, the, the first thing that came to mind to me is how is the defensive line going to look and perform with the new defensive line coach? You know, Notre Dame has produced many NFL interior and exterior defensive ends um, in the past. And just to name a few, there's Jerry Tillery, Jameer Jones, Kurt Heinish, Julian Okora, Romeo Okora, Isaac Rochelle, Khalid Kareem, Dalen Hayes. You know, there's still a few more in there, but, you know, the, the main dominance on the Notre Dame defensive side of the ball has been their defensive line. And when you lose a good defensive line coach, how is that unit going to look um, and going to perform going into the season this year. Yeah, and I mean, I think when you look at just what you're talking about, the way Mike Elston has coached these guys, one, the fortunate part is you've got a lot of high-end talent that's going to be on that defensive line. You know, like when you when you look at, you know, when, like when you go across from strong end, you know, to, uh, to the Viper defensive end, you potentially got Riley Mills at the strong end. Howard Cross in the middle, Jason Adamalola, and then Isaiah Foskey in the second unit, potentially Nana Osafa Mensa, Jacob Lacey, Chris Smith, the transfer from Harvard, the grad transfer who came in, and then Justin Adamalola behind Foskey as well. I mean, so you've got, especially on that, on that, you know, call it right side, you know, like as we draw up the depth chart and stuff like that, the, you know, the Foskey, Adamalola, and you know, Smith and Justin Adamalola's side. I mean, there's a ton of talent and experience over there. Howard Cross and Jacob Lacey each give you some experience, kind of anchoring one of those defensive tackle spots. Tons of upside still with Riley Mills. This is still, you know, a big prove-it year, though, I think, for him. And then, you know, that that battle with Osafa Mensa behind him as, as well. You know, but, you know, the point is, Notre Dame's defensive lines were always great 
under Mike Elston. You know, they moved him to linebacker coach, remember, for, for when Brian Van Gorder was there for a couple of years. That's when the defensive lines had their issues. When he was not the defensive line coach, then they move him back to defensive line coach, and they're, they're cranking out all these NFL guys like you're talking about once again. And there is at least a question. You know, Al Washington's been a great recruiter, and we've seen a lot of good things from him so far. But, you know, most of his coaching, especially his most recent coaching experience, has been coaching another position. It's been coaching linebackers. He played defensive line in college, but he hasn't coached it as much, especially recently. So, you know, I think there is some question there. The, again, the fortunate part is you've got guys like Fosty, Fosky and the Adamalola twins, you know, who bring you a lot of skill and experience who you're pretty confident in. But again, just we it's it's a bit of an unknown you know we didn't see anything during the spring that would say man there's going to be a drop-off but again you've got all these experienced guys coming back so I think I think you know it's a question but the upside is they do so, have so much returning experience that you would hope that the transition would not be you know really noticeable at least in the short term right now yeah, I think the biggest thing I look at on the defensive line unit, I look at it uh, quite honestly, kind of like a hockey uh, rotation shift, and especially with now how uh, you know college football is played. Your first, or sorry, your second unit has to be pretty similar in strength to your first unit because you're rotating guys right. in and out a lot. You have and to that's have what's, that's what's made them so good is the fact that they do have those rotations. Yeah, exactly. So I just I, I think I think my biggest concern is I know the first unit is going to be good, but what kind of drop off is there potentially going to be between the first and second unit? Just because like right. I was saying, there's going to be what what I would call line changes, you know, depending on scheme, giving guys a breather, that kind of thing. So my biggest question is, can they keep up the consistent, you know, performance? And will we see any drop off between the first and second string units? Because I think if that second string unit can be just as strong as the first string unit, we'll come back to this question probably 10 weeks from now and be like, wow, why were we even concerned about this? Right. But, it's still a concern right now, you know, with the, the standard that has been set, you almost have to, you, you know, that you would like that standard to be met or if not exceeded. So that's, that's just, I think one of the big things I'm looking forward to defensively and especially with a secondary, that's going to have some troubles. You want a good defensive line. That's going to get after the quarterback um, and provide less coverage time for your secondary. Yep. I agree. And uh, Tyler agrees with you as well about the points that you make. And, you know, I think they're, they're all very fair and, and very valid for them to be successful. That second unit has to be, you know, at least in the ballpark of what that first unit is, you know, not, not, not too many guys are going to be in the ballpark of, of what Isaiah Foskey's going to give you or even right. Jason Adamalola at some points, but you know, it's a, it's a, a nice luxury to have a grad transfer like Chris Brown right behind him as well. But, you know, like, look, last year, we saw Cade Madden come in and he had all this hype. You know, it was the offensive line, obviously, but he had all this hype and all this experience coming in from Marshall, smaller school, you know, all this different stuff, but he didn't have a good offensive line coach. And again, like it's, it's too soon for me. I, I, I'm not saying that I'm doubting Al Washington by any means. Again, I love his recruiting and everything that he's done there, but there's a difference between recruiting and, and coaching the technical aspects of, of being a, a great defensive lineman. And Mike Elston was great at coaching these guys into being great. You know, many of them obviously being 
you know, diamond in the rough three-star type guys that, that, that he was able to, you know, to turn into NFL draft picks themselves. So, you know, I think, I think it is a, a valid question and it's something that, you know, we'll kind of see only time will tell kind of thing. Again, I didn't, I didn't see anything that was concerning in the spring, but you know, it's basically, it's, it's an, it's on situation now because we're 32 days away from Ohio state. <laughs> so it can look a lot different, you know, with, with a little bit of pressure on you. All right. So uh, I do want to address real quick, you know, the stuff going on in the chat right now, everyone's asking about Keon Keeley. You know, we don't have any definitive answers here. Everything that, that we're hearing though still points to, Keon Keeley being at Notre Dame, you know, I'm not the recruiting guy. Jesse's not the recruiting guy. Ryan is. Brian, you know, obviously is very involved in recruiting as well and, and just talking with them and, and uh, you know, hearing some of their stuff. I, you know, I'm still confident in, in, in Keeley being here. He is obviously a big part of this 2023 class. But, you know, that's all that, that I can give you on that right now. Brian and Ryan and all those guys obviously are talking recruiting all the time. So, uh, you know, between going to the boards and listening to their shows, they'll be able to give you more on that. But everything I'm hearing right now still says, you know, uh, I saw this one from, uh, from Tyler relax. <laughs> That's all you can do right now. And Frankie say it too. So Frankie say relax. And, and so did Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see, you know, again, we'll see, but as of right now, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any reason to panic at all in terms of Keon Keeley. Okay, so my my top camp question, how soon will a starting quarterback be named? Because this is at least in name a quarterback competition. It was a competition between the two in the spring, uh, Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine. And everything that we saw said that that Tyler Buckner was the guy, you know, they've both been putting in the work over the summer, which is exactly what you would expect. But like last year, you know, they didn't wait very long. It was like by the end of the first week, Jack Cohn ended up being named the starting quarterback when he was battling for the job with Drew Pine. I think in that case, you obviously had a quarterback with more experience coming in from Wisconsin. You brought him in because of his experience and you know, so they named a starter relatively quickly. How important, Jess, do you think it is to do this sooner than later? You know, in my opinion, as long as they have a starting quarterback named by the end of camp and, and, and you're starting to go into your preparation for Ohio State, I think that's the perfect timeline to have a starting quarterback uh, named. And I think it's important to do so or at least to have some competition during camp because guys respond to that competition. The quarterbacks are going to be playing at an elevated slash kind of, you know, pressure type mentality because they know that they are fighting for a starting position. And I think that that is something that's important when it comes to camp and the other players around them know, you know, what's going on. The running backs know it. The offensive line knows it. The wide receivers know it. So they want to put forth their best effort too. Uh, I don't think that there's any need to name a starting quarterback like right now. Like I said, I think as long as you are naming it by the end of camp, I think that there is no issues with that. I, I, I just think kind of going back to what, you know, hammering home on this point is I think that when you have a competition like this or you don't name a starter for the first couple of weeks, it provides such good competition throughout camp. Both guys 
will be playing at their highest level. They'll want to bring it every day. And I think that's important when you're going through camp because it sets the tone for everyone else. Yeah, and, and I mean, like when you look at these two quarterbacks, there is a difference in the skill sets. Obviously, Buckner is a much better runner, and he brings a different dimension to the game than Drew Pine can bring. So, you know, I, I just I feel like if it's obvious that Buckner is the guy, then you name him. You know, like you don't have to wait. I think that that's what, what Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese kind of went with last year, that they felt like it was obvious Jack Cohn was the guy, and they named him the starter early. You get it out of the way, and, you know, you, you kind of let Jack Cohn move into that leadership role. That, you know, that, that would be, from a Buckner standpoint, a young guy. I would think that that would be something that could be valuable for him is, is you know, again, like, if it's a true competition and, and you, you don't feel like he is clearly the guy, then you let the competition go on a little bit longer and see if Pine, you know, overtakes him or you know if one of them pulls ahead i guess but you know again if it's if it's fairly clear the buckner's the guy i think that you know from the leadership thing from the you know let's let's get into what this offense is going to be with tyler buckner and that kind of stuff there would be some benefit to you know to, to doing it sooner than later um wicked bronco productions has a super chat for us hey guys love the show thank you with uh, Buckner being the favorite to be the starter week one, what chances do you think that will make Pine transfer? And he also asked any update on Keon Keeley. Uh, we already did the Keeley up, you know, what, you know, we, what we can give right now, as far as the Pine transfer thing, I don't think so. You know, I, I especially like where he is right now, there's, there would not be any benefit to him you know, packing up and leaving. I think he showed, you know, there was that question again popped up last year. Now you're, you know, you're a year older and and all that stuff this year. But like when you when you look at Drew Pine and and some of the stuff that his dad has even said as well. You know, I think that they are they're pretty deep with Notre Dame. You know that that Notre Dame means a lot to him. So I don't I don't see that happening. I don't I don't see uh, Drew Pine. If Tyler Buckner is the starter, I don't, I don't see Drew Pine packing up and and leaving. So I don't I don't feel like that is a is a legitimate concern right now. Yeah, going on what you're saying there a little bit, I think Drew Pine kind of, you know, he yes, everyone wants to be the starter, but at the same time, you know, him being able to be a backup quarterback at the University of Notre Dame and still finish out his degree, I think hold higher precedence. Uh, to someone like himself, could he transfer and potentially play at a smaller school? Yes, but then he he sacrifices, you know, the degree in education that he he gets at the University of Notre Dame. And I think he's one of those guys who is has some, you know, good head on their shoulders, knowing that his chances at the NFL are probably pretty slim. You know, he could probably make that statement himself. And so when you leave and you're all of a sudden it's done, I think he has a better opportunity at staying, getting his education done rather than maybe, you know, transferring to a smaller school where he might get to be a starter for a year, maybe uh, maybe two years. Right. You know, maybe that happens after the season, something like, you know, I, you know, you can, I don't think we can ever fully read into what, you know, what's going through these guys' heads. But I think that as of right now, just what you were talking about, the importance of getting the degree and, and all that stuff, that is still very high on, you know, Drew Pine's priority list. So I don't think it's a concern right now. All right, as we continue our fall camp questions, Jess, what do you have next? Uh, the next pressing question 
that I had is what can we expect out of the defensive unit knowing that the secondary may be uh, the blemish or the issue this season? Will they be blitz heavy like last year in order to aid the secondary? We kind of talked about this a little bit ago. The, the sooner you can get pressure on the quarterback, obviously the less time you have to spend in coverage. And can they afford to blitz uh, as much without Kyle Hamilton? Who's going to be the ball hawk? Who's going to be the security blanket in the secondary to cover the deep third or the deep half if you're going to be blitzing like that? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think, you know, first of all, again, we, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the defensive line just a second ago. You look at Isaiah Foskey with 11 sacks and then the two Adam Alolas combined for eight and a half last year. So that's 19 and a half sacks, almost 20 between those three guys combined. So obviously you, you know, you get a lot of, you get a lot of pressure up front without blitzing. They did do a lot of blitzing last year. You know, that did lead to some of those bigger plays and stuff like that, you know, Brandon Joseph is going to, he's basically the heir apparent. You're bringing in another All-American. You trade one All-American and Cal Hamilton for Brandon Joseph. I feel like, you know, he's definitely going to be that guy at the back end, but you also, you know, in terms of your pass rush, you've got guys like Jordan Botello could be a big, you know, X factor in pass rush type situations, third downs and and that kind of thing where you just let him, you know, you get an extra body on the field and you let a guy like him pin his ears back. And I, I don't know. You're the, you're the guy who played defense in college and, you know, you've had def different defensive coordinators, you know, going back to high school and through cut, you know, like with different philosophies on blitzing, I feel like you can still selectively blitz. I'll be curious to see with, Al Golden being a defensive coordinator for the first time, you know, in several years now, going all the way back to his time as an assistant coach at Virginia, you know, before he moved on to become a head coach, you know, at Temple in Miami, and then his time in the NFL where he, you know, wasn't necessarily a coordinator, but he was a position coach. I'll be curious to see sort of what his philosophy is along those lines with blitz, blitzing. I think you can obviously still selectively blitz, but I will be curious to see if they're necessarily as as aggressive as Marcus Freeman was with, uh, you know, in his time uh, as, you know, his short time, one year as defensive coordinator for the Irish. Yeah, I think that you could probably see somewhere right in the middle. I don't think that they'll go to the extreme of kind of what Marcus Freeman's defense looks like last year with a lot, a lot of blitzing. You saw a lot of zone blitzing, stuff like that. I just think with kind of where they are at, as a whole unit on defensively, I don't think that they should play maybe as aggressive. I still think, yes, there's obviously always going to be blitz packages built in and there's going to be blitz calls. I'd like to see it somewhere in the middle, kind of your baseline being, you know, towards the bottom and Marcus Freeman kind of being the extreme of defensive styles. It would be nice to be somewhere in the middle, uh, knowing, you know, what kind of defensive secondary they have. You got to create pressure, but at the same time, you can't put your secondary in a bind to give up the big play. So, you know, if, if it were me, I would like to see a lot of, you know, kind of stunts that in, incorporate your linebackers and defensive linemen kind of twisting in and out, uh, you know, shooting different gaps, getting the offensive linemen to have to think a little bit. And even if you're not bringing, you well, know, six, you can still bring five and, and still, you know, put basically create an extra pressure uh, with a fifth man is what I'm what I would like to see. Yeah, and because of the combinations that they're going to have with potentially Bertrand and Leofal playing next to each other, 
I think there's going to be a big upgrade in overall speed and athleticism at the, especially at the inside linebacker positions this year with those two guys playing next to each other. You're going to be able to do different stuff there. And obviously you still have Bo Bauer in the mix when it comes to, you know, like he's been, you know, kind of, you know, the, the, the dime guy in the past, does he get himself, you know, more reps and that kind of stuff. So, and then, you know, you've got Kaiser and, and again, you've got Botello as an option there as well. So I think that there are a lot of different options and things they can do where they don't necessarily have to sell out maybe quite as much where they can still get a lot of pressure on the quarterback with, with what they've got. I think, I think, you know, most of the time they're going to be, you know, that, that defensive front is going to be clearly better than the offensive line they're playing across from. And, you know, so I think that that's going to benefit them with the kind of pressure that they can get, you know, with that, with that front seven without having to, you know, again, kind of sell out blitz type thing. Yeah, and I think another thing that I would like to see is just strategically blitzing. You know, it, don't just call a blitz to call a blitz. I think they're going to have to be very selective of when they strategically kind of want to yes. call things and so they can catch guys or, sorry, catch teams off guard. I think that's what they really have to be focused on this year is not blitzing at the same frequency. And when they do blitz, it needs to be strategically timed, uh, you know, kind of like a chess match, not playing checkers is right. how I would describe it. Wicked Bronco Productions asks, is there a reason Jalen Sneed, a five-star, is not getting a starting job? Well, one, regardless of your stars, you still got to earn the job. <laughs> so, you know, I think you still got to show up to camp and perform well. That's right. That's right. You know, you got to yeah. show that you know what's going on. That's, you know, and there's, there's Brian Driscoll. Gets there's Brian Driscoll, you know, <laughs> basically echoing the same thing. Starting positions aren't handed out to the highest ranked players. Yes, that's exactly right regardless of what your star ranking is and all that, you still have to earn the job. And in Jalen Sneed's case, at least for right now, he's got Jack Kaiser in front of him, you know, over there at that Rover position. And, and Jack Kaiser is pretty good at it, you know, and he's got a lot of experience now. He's a senior. He's been around for a while. That doesn't mean Jalen Sneed, you know, might not work himself into some reps here or there. But again, that's, that's something, you know, and a guy to kind of keep an eye out for, during camp as well is exactly, you know, because there there's a lot of talented youth on this defense and we're going to continue to see, you know, more talent coming in over the next few years. You know, the way Marcus Freeman is recruiting. And, you know, again, I know everyone's freaking out about Keeley right now. And and maybe maybe Brian Driscoll can can, you know, since he's in the chat right now, he could chime in you know, or even if he wants to come in for a second and talk about Keon Keeley, since that was a hot topic here just a second ago before he got in, you know, we could address that. But, you know, I think that just just what we were saying earlier, maybe maybe just relax a little bit is the way to go <laughs> on that. But I agree with what you're saying, Jess. You know, I, th I think that there, you know, there are still places they can do it. You know, because again, you know, you like you've got Brandon Joseph at the back. You've got Ramon Henderson at the boundary safety. You know, there there will be questions in coverage, that's for sure. But I, I feel like they can get pressure with that front where they don't necessarily have to uh, to go all out with that. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. You know, the more you get into the guts of being a defensive coordinator. Uh, you have specific down and distances where you like certain blitzes. You know what I mean? You're going to – on third and three, you know that you have probably three to four different blitz schemes depending on formation that you would feel comfortable, you know, running with. So 
it's going to be interesting to see. They have the athletes. That's that's the fun part is they have the athletes to kind of mix and match and come up with different schemes. And I think that's what I'm trying to hit on the most is I would like to see them, you know, really use kind of these pieces to their advantage, really draw up and schematically come up with blitzes that yeah. really fits, you know, their personnel and where it fits in during the game as well, strategically calling those those blitzes as well. But I, I still would love to see kind of that aggressive mentality. I like that on defense. I like going to get the ball. I like applying the pressure rather than, you know, waiting for the pressure to be applied to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Zachary says, need the experience going into Columbus. These young guys will be stars someday, but they still need to learn the different uh, from <laughs> high school ball and the competition they'll be seeing game one that is for show and you know again you know like you got prince kali out there and you know how much do we maybe see about him you know this this season again that you know he's he's someone that i think that a lot of people that were more anxious to see last year uh and we did get to see him a little bit and and maybe we get to see more of him this year but i'm excited about this linebacking group i'm excited about the, you know the, the the front seven the secondary is definitely the biggest question that they've got defensively and you know it's it's more you know one position than than anything else but again we'll see how that plays out we talked about that a little bit more on yesterday's show so you can always go back and listen to that as well uh my next question how close to 100 percent is Jarrett patterson and will he be a full go at the start of of camp after his torn pectoral muscle at the beginning of march and you know this is he's He's someone, obviously, that is, I mean, he's he's the most experienced and the best overall lineman and potentially switching positions, moving off center after, you know, extensive time there. Zeke Carell, who uh, started six games at left guard last season and then was overtaken, excuse me, by Andrew Kristoffik, who started the last seven games of the season. You know, so it's like... That pectoral muscle, it's been five months now, um, you know, but not really a lot of information on exactly where Jarrett Patterson is. But, you know, if you're talking about getting your your five best guys on the line, I think having Jarrett Patterson and Zeke Corral out there is very important. But, you know, again, like where is Corral in his recovery? Because, you know, five months – Sounds like a lot of time, but you know you're going to lose. You know, and again, like you're, you're someone you know who spent a lot of time in the in the weight room in your life. You're going to lose a lot of strength, especially with a tear there. And that's the big thing is is building that strength back up. You know, in that pec, and I, I would think that that also has to even affect like being able to do some of the lower body work. You know, squats and you know some of the deadlifts and stuff that they do. When you've got a torn pec, it's it's going to limit a lot of the of the things that that uh you can do so exactly where he is coming into camp i think is is going to be you know uh, a pretty important question for this offensive line yeah it's funny you don't realize how important you know your knee your pec your ankle is until you until you hurt it you realize every day-to-day -day motion that kind of relies on whatever you hurt and being an offensive lineman with a pectoral injury that's where majority of their power is coming from. Your first 
your first two movements as an offensive lineman is your kick back and your punch, yeah. your and initial your punch, punch. Right here. Yeah. And so all of that power is coming literally from your, your pectoral area. That's why, you know, bench press and those kind of movements are so important, especially for off offensive linemen is getting that first punch out there. So a pectoral injury for offensive linemen, I mean, any athlete in the football realms is, is highly important. Uh, but, you know, with the injury coming in March and it being fully torn, a, a usual kind of recovery for that is three to four months. We're kind of in that window right now. But when we're talking about someone like Jared Patterson, who's, you know, the expectations is kind of being one of the leaders of this offensive unit, I would be more inclined to ease him into it as they're going through camp, kind of see, you know, where his baseline is at now that it's been almost five months. I don't think there's there should be any rush to necessarily get him out there as soon as possible. I think having him for Ohio State would be highly important. But if he's not ready, he's not ready. You know, you have the entire yeah. season. That's more important than Ohio State. But I think, you know, it would be nice to see him out on the practice field during camp, even if he's not, you know, going through full reps, getting getting a lot of those reps in there. I don't think he has to go Russell Wilson style where he's out on the field, you know, going through all these dry air and walkthroughs <laughs> before games and practices and stuff like that. But it would be important to see him going out there and going through, you know, at least some of the rhythm of the reps, the mentality of the reps and that kind of stuff. Um, and then obviously getting him out there and gearing him up to go 100 percent, because, you know, as an offensive line, you have to work together as a whole unit. So when your whole leader is out, I think that's very critical. But, you know, being Jarrett Patterson, I think he wants to get there out there as soon as possible. Uh, so the sooner that he can get out there and that offensive line can kind of get orchestrated together, the better. Uh, but I, like I said, there's no, there's no, no, no rush to get him out there and, and get him into stuff if he's not ready for it yet. Yeah. One, you know, it, it's, it's a nice security blanket to have Andrew Christoffic, you know, if, if Patterson is going to need more time, it, you know, you've got, you know, Patterson being out is what led to Zeke Corral getting all the reps at center and them finding out how good he can be at center and saying, man, he's good enough that we can move. Patterson over to guard, you know, and that that potentially bumps Christophic. You know, he kind of becomes the odd man out. But you know, again, if if Patterson is not able to go early on, you have the luxury that you do have Christophic and all that experience, and as well as he played in those last seven games last year. So that's kind of a nice little security blanket to have. That's the first thought. Two, I, I don't know why you're always so down on Russell Wilson. I just, you know, it's like. Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs> well, there is that. Like, I, you know, it's like, but he's just do, a you think that guy. Jared Patterson is is going to do a Russell Wilson and like wear his own jersey, you know, into, you know, okay, like you saw you're you're going against yourself here. Why Russell Wilson is so insufferable sometimes. That's right. Shows up to a team he's never played before wearing his own jersey into oh. training camp. Like, come hey on, guys, I'm going to wear my own jersey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think Jared Patterson will go to that extreme, but it'd be nice to see him doing those those sort of things, just staying engaged, even if he's not physically going through, you know, the rep 100%. Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so that was my question. So you've got another one coming up. You've got another camp question. Yeah, I think this is the, the one of the bigger offensive questions that uh, I came up with. And it... it it boils down to is how will Michael Mayer be utilized? Will he be the main target that Buckner is looking for? Will a lot of the plays be designed to go to Michael Mayer? Or will they use him as a decoy for other wide receivers to get favorable, you know, one-on-one matchups uh, going forward? Yeah, and I mean, you know, he was essentially one of their most consistent, you know, stretch the field threats last year you know Kevin Austin factored in there as well but like when you look at his production what he gave him last year 71 catches for 840 yards in terms of the top returning receivers Avery Davis Braden Lindsay Lorenzo Styles those three guys have just a little bit more you know overall yards and you know I what about 200 more yards and just a couple more receptions overall, basically, than what Michael Mayer had himself, you know, and that and this kind of piggybacks into, you know, mine as well. Like who's going to be in terms of the wide receivers, who are gonna, you know, who are the go-to guys going to be? We know who they should be, you know, like <laughs> in 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 the case of Lorenzo Styles, you know, we kind of saw his coming out party, but now is he going to be consistent? with that like is he really going to be the guy because this is obviously a big question you know a big position of question that they have how exactly is this going to work what's this you know how's this offense going to operate with an all-american tight end you know i do think styles is is fully capable of being that but again you know we've really only seen it in one game you know most of the production that he had last year 24 catches and over 344 yards, most of it came in the Fiesta Bowl, you know. So, got to show that he can do it consistently. And this is this is you know again like going back to the situation with the running backs when you only have the three healthy scholarship running backs coming into training camp. It also I think affects you know like we saw what Chris Tyree can be as a receiver, and and Kyron Williams was their number four target last year out of the backfield. He had almost 360 yards and 42 catches. And you could easily see Chris Tyree at least being in that kind of production area after he had 24 catches of his own last year. But how much, how much can you afford to, you know, to, to go with 21 personnel when, you know, you've only got three, you know, again, healthy scholarship running backs, you know, how, you know, so it's like, there's, it's, it's really, it's really intriguing to me to see what Tommy Reese is going to put together and how this, you know, offense is going to operate and you know who's who's going to who's going to who, who are going to be the receivers who are going to step up for this crew because you've got some experience but you've got guys who still haven't shown that they can do it and you're relatively, you know, thin in some spots as well. And like we've talked about Tobias Merriweather yesterday, it's a really great opportunity for a freshman like over at that W 
receiver where he's got Deion Colsey and Joe Wilkins in front of him. You know, it, it, again, like he was one of the players to watch, I think, for me anyway, coming into this fall camp because of that, because of the opportunities that he could potentially have if he can show what he can do. Yeah, I think ideally, you know, this in my perfect offensive schematic, what I would like to see is obviously, you know, Michael Mayer is going to be Michael Mayer. He's the top tight end in the country. I don't care what any other award says. Michael Mayer will be the first tight end drafted, you know, whatever draft class that he's in. He's a stud. He's the best tight end in the country. That's already accounted for. He's going to, uh, you know, short down situations. He's got to be the guy you're looking for. Third and three, third and four. Um, but when, when, when he draws coverage and if it's, especially if it's double team, you got to have guys like Braden Lindsay, Avery Davis. And especially, I think the X factor is Lorenzo Styles. Lorenzo Styles needs to play like a Chase Claypool, a Miles Boykin, a Michael yeah. Floyd of the past. He's got a, a Des Bryant is another great comparison with his body frame. He's got to be the big body to go up and high point the ball. He's got to be the guy to, you know, you can throw a long bomb to after, you know, dumping down to, to Michael Mayer in the flats or, you know, maybe Avery Davis or uh, Braden Lindsay on, you know, those kind of short, quicker routes to really exploit their speed. And another thing that I like that you brought up is if they go 21 personnel, motioning out one of those wide receivers into the slot and letting him go to work one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker. I think that's a very favorable matchup that For the sure. running backs could get into. And that also provides, you know, uh, coverage problems when you have a running back in the slot, you have, you know, Braden, or, or Avery out there and you got Lorenzo Styles and you got Michael Mayer, I think it could create a lot of matchup nightmares. It's just a matter of these guys got to step up. It's time. You know, I know Lorenzo Styles is a sophomore, but this has to be his coming out party this year. He has to play as a big framed, big bodied wide receiver. Who's going to get you those big catches when you need. And guys like Braden Lindsay and Avery Davis, like, what are you guys waiting for? This is your time. Like, you know, we've heard about this speed and athleticism that, that they've had, but it's never been on display in my opinion. It's never been fully utilized. So I think if those guys can come into harmony with, you know, like I said, Michael Mayer, Lorenzo Styles, good running backs out of the backfield, Avery Davis, potentially Joe Wilkins, uh, Braden Lindsay, they have the the pieces to be a good, you know, wide receiver corpse. It's just a matter of how they put it together, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. There's 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 talent there. It is just untapped talent, you know, for the most part. And, you know, you know, again, like Avery Davis is coming back from injury. And if he didn't have that injury, he wouldn't be coming back for his sixth year. Braden Lindsay injury riddled a couple of years ago was more healthy last year, but you know, like you said, we, we didn't really see anything like what would that have been three years ago? I guess at this point when we did see, you know, we could, what he could do as a runner and a pass catcher, but uh, we did have another question Regarding the running backs from Milton Fan 15, between Estime and Diggs, who's the number two? My thought, Estime is going to be a beast if given the opportunity. Well, Diggs is still hurt right now. You know, there's, there's all, have you seen all these videos of Diggs, you know, with the agility drills and all this stuff that he's, he's been looking doing? Lean, looking fast. Quick feet, very fast feet. You know, the, 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 the issue is obviously still his shoulder, you know, because he's, what about four months out from having the labrum surgery? So, like all the agility and the speed and all that stuff is looking great right now. But you know, when how soon he is cleared for contact and and those kind of things is you know that's going to be the question. Marcus Freeman, you know, say maybe there's a chance that uh, you know he is ready for Ohio State. That would be a big bonus for sure. But you know, right now, I think that that estimate 
is the clear number two. It's, it, you know, it's, it's <laughs> the depth chart is pretty simple. It's Chris Tyree. It's uh, the big guy, Audric Estime, and then it's Jabron Payne, the true freshman. And Payne will have an opportunity, obviously, to show what he can do. I said this yesterday with, um, with Estime. I'd just like to see a little bit less lateral movement, you know, for a big guy like him. Get that ball, hit the hole a little bit quicker. I think he's going to have, you know, better holes to run through this year with this offensive line. Uh, but he's got you know, pretty soft hands, too, so he can catch the ball. All these guys can catch the ball. So, you know, I think that there are some different things that they can do. They're just going to be thin on numbers for right now. Key is, you know, once they get digs back, assuming, you know, they, they don't sustain, you know, any other injuries. And, you know, that's that's the biggest thing when you're down to three on the depth chart, you know, three scholarship running backs is you're one injury away from being even more depleted. So, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But, you know, I think we're going to see some good things from all of these guys this year because they're going to have to, you know, all perform in different situations this season because of the numbers that they have. Yeah. I mean, if Diggs can get healthy, I, I really, really, really like their running back depth. I already like it you know, right now, but like you said, it's it's hard because they are an injury away. So if they can get Diggs back, I think they have a really good running back rotation. And it's funny, every time you say the the, the name Chris Tyree, all I can think of is Gus Johnson going crazy on that kickoff <laughs> return against Wisconsin. That's like instantly what my mind clicks to anytime I hear Wisconsin. that word Tyree. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I had forgotten about that until you said that. And that was probably like the last, you know, until the Fiesta Bowl, that was probably the last big highlight that he had, you know, because of his own injuries and stuff like right. that. So, but I mean, he's, he's talented for sure. And, and uh, he's got the speed. Who, yeah, that's right. That's right. Someone who can do it. And again, he's going to have a better offensive line in front of him this year. So that's going to help. All right. As we finish up a reminder, hit that like button on YouTube, subscribe, rate, comment, all that different kind of stuff on the audio podcast platforms we appreciate you listening jesse great stuff from you tonight have a uh, a great rest of your week and i'll see you again soon yeah i'll see you soon thanks for having me i it was a great day of topics <laughs> i think so too i think so too we turned right through thanks for listening we will talk to you tomorrow ib nation sports talk
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.